0: Anyway, so we're gonna be going through the Bible. Um, Today we go through the Bible a little bit every time. Um, We're gonna be in Psalm chapter 42 if you wanna turn there. Um, We are going as a church into uh, January fasting season. For the last 10 years, we've kicked off our year um, with a season of fasting, Um, not because we hate ourselves or we're some sort of weirdos, but we really believe it's cultivated some good things in us. And so what we're gonna do going into this next year is we're gonna focus the whole month of January. I'm kind of giving some vision and and perspective for it today. But then next Sunday, we're gonna start 21 days of a fasting season. And so for sure, what we want everybody to do is join us on Sundays. And I'm gonna be helping us get a real vision for the righteousness of God and kind of what God's been putting on my heart. Um, We have these booklets that are gonna guide us. You can pick them up on the way out today. Um, 21 days of just kind of some thoughts Um, Broken up into three sections because the messages for the next three weeks, I'm going to start with January 10th talking about, um, as for me and my house, we will cultivate gratitude. Um, We're going to be, we're going to try and cultivate gratitude as we go forward. Um, We have some biblical um, uh, backing for that, why we would pick that. The next thing is we're going to be, as for me and my house, we're going to consecrate ourselves This year, Um, and so we're gonna talk about what it means to consecrate ourselves um, in the biblical perspective and narrative as well as um, hopefully bringing some application to today. And then the third thing we're gonna do um, is we're gonna talk about, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, And again, biblical backing for that and what that could mean for us going forward so that we can kind of start off with some sure footing on some solid ground as we go into the rest of the year. Um, And in in addition to the Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights, we're going to be gathering everybody in person that is healthy and comfortable with that. Um, We'll be broadcasting a live stream for some prayer nights. So on Wednesday, we're asking everyone that's a part of Living Stream's family probably like the worst way to start out your year if you're trying to grow a church, but that we're trying to grow the church, not necessarily grow a church. Um, we're going to start off, Wednesdays we're asking everybody to fast from food f- um, all day and then join us here on Wednesday nights. Um, we're going to have some soup at six o'clock and then seven o'clock we're going to have a prayer time and uh, we're going to pray in, further into all of these things that we're discussing. Um, so it should be a good time. So Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, no eating on, on Wednesdays. Um if, if you want to do that or if you're able to do that, if not, talk to me, and, and if you need some other ideas, we can figure some things out. But then also, we're going to, as you'll see at the end of this message, for those 21 days, we're asking you to think about some other things that you can adapt into your life that would be, um, that would be considered some sort of fasting or, or whatever as we go forward so that we can cultivate a hunger for God. That's ultimately our goal in all of this, that we'll be more hungry for God. And that brings us to our message today. Um, actually, one other thing, we have the Phoenix Business Forum coming up this Wednesday. We're gonna livestream it at noon. Um, it's a financial forum revisited. We have Mike Behrens, who's a part of our church, and he's also the head of TGen, um, and he's a medical doctor, and he's gonna give us some perspective and insight that will hopefully be helpful for business um, owners and, and leaders in our community. So check that thing out, more details online. So what are you hungry for in 2021? It's not third service, so it shouldn't be food quite yet. Um, What are you hungry for in 2021? A new job because you lost your job? Are you hungry for some healing or a vaccination? Um, Are you hungry for some more acai bowls? Because I've been eating those lately, those are good. Not like $40 a pop, but they are delicious. And it feels so good. Are you hungry for some pad thai? Anybody seen that new Postmates commercial? Besides me? Or <laughs> 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 it's just like some like, elderly living community commercial, but then they're just joking. They're like, would you really like to come and live and have some pad thai? And they just kind of sublimely put, no, oh, it's hilarious. I love pad thai too. Or how about nacho fries? Come on, you've seen that one. Yeah, you're craving it. Craving those nacho fries, 2020. Or maybe it's better to frame this, what are you longing for after 2020? Maybe you're not even ready to really think about what you want in 2020, but what are you longing for? Maybe it's some good news, some safety, some security, some peace, some release of the tension. Maybe some stock and toilet paper, something like that. Um, Or as you're considering your appetites, your longings, your desires going into this new year, do you have desires you wish would go away? I would quit bothering you, enslaving you. Desires that you're ashamed of. Would you say your appetites at this point are in control or out of control? What we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about longings, appetites, desires as we go into this new year. Um, There's a guy, Ronald Rollheiser, who wrote a book about longing. He says there is a within us a fundamental disease. I like the way he does that. Disease, an unquenchable fire that renders us incapable in this life of ever coming to full peace. This desire lies at the center of our lives and the marrow of our bones and the deep recesses of the soul. It's basically talking about there's something within us, and whether it's our sinful nature, whether it's just the reality that we're not made for this world, whatever it might be, the Bible kinda speaks to different realities to it. He says this desire is there and it's strong. And our spirituality or our Christianity, our faith is ultimately about what we do with that desire. It's an answer, it's a guide to how to navigate the reality of this desire or the desires within us. What we do with our longings, both in terms of handling the pain when they go unsatisfied for too long, and the hope that they bring us, that is our spirituality. That really is the sum total of how we're getting along in the world. And ultimately, the Bible makes it very clear that God has put some sort of longing, he's put eternity in our hearts so that there is this, always this longing that ultimately can only be satisfied by him. And no matter how hard we try in this world, it will never be satisfied because ultimately God is trying to draw us back to himself. James chapter four, James, who is kind of the big jerk of the Bible. I shouldn't really say that, but it's funny because he's really intense. But James chapter four says this about desires. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. James is just saying basically all of the tension in the world is because you have these desires that are being unmet, and you just take it out on everybody else. Desires are a big deal in our lives. They're driving forces. Our appetites really do add up to what our life does or what our life is. And it's important for us to talk about these. In Psalm 42, this is what I want us to kind of take away, uh, this picture of, this, of the writer of Psalms here. And, and as he's writing this song, this is what's in his soul. This is what he's speaking out. This is what he's singing out. In verse one, he says, as the deer pants for streams of water, my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Here this writer is basically describing how he's so hungry for God. He pictures it as a deer who's thirsty and and is trying to find water. He's thirsty for God. He's longing for God. And where does this longing come from? It's coming from hard times. Tears have been his food day and night. He's fasting. Maybe because he doesn't have food. Maybe because he's so unsatisfied by food. Maybe he's so troubled he can't even eat. But what it's cultivated in him is this longing for God. The people around him are saying, where is your God? He's going through hard times. And then it's interesting, after coming out of 2020, he says, how I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God. And there's many among us, those online especially, who used to in these times of certain certainty or trouble, they used to come to this place, to come be with the people of God, to come be in a place where the praises of God are sung. And they've been deprived of that for whatever reason, because of health concerns, or health concerns of people they love. And yet, they, they find themselves in this trying time, and my hope is that they're hungry for God, hungrier than ever for God. And then if you're not feeling hungry for God, if that's not the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you, what are you hungry for? I love this from a monk named Meister Eckhart. He said, the soul must long for God in order to be a set of flame by God's love. It's good and right. We need to cultivate this longing. But if the soul cannot yet feel the longing, then it must long for the longing. To long for the longing is also from God. Whew, that's a relief right there, huh? I love that, because I don't know if I can say that right now I'm longing, hungering for God like I want to, or maybe like the psalmist is describing. But I love that he says, it's okay, it's okay, child. To long for the longing is a good start. And that's what I really hope happens as we go through this month. I want us to at least get to a place where we are longing for the longing. We are hungering to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because I think that's a prayer that God would love to answer. And that's a promise given to us in the Beatitudes. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. (laughs) Filled, I got it, no problem. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness and we will be filled. God loves to fill the hungry with every good thing. And so it's important for us to, to, to allow that hunger to be there and actually to cultivate that hunger, but then just make sure it's pointed in the right direction. A picture that um, is in my mind is of the garden where, where God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of all the trees, but there were two special trees in the garden, two special trees, right? There were all the trees that were good for food and they could eat of all of them except for one, even though there were two special trees. The two special trees were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And one tree they were not supposed to eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But every other tree they were allowed to eat from. And the picture in my mind is if Adam and Eve uh, had access to the tree of life, they could eat from the tree of life, the sustenance, the life of God. But if all they ever did was eat of the other trees, they would have been missing out on the tree of life. And we have before us, in our world, God has given us so many wonderful things to enjoy. But if we forget to really enjoy him, we're really missing out, we're really missing out. Um, a picture that I always go to about this kind of longing for God, a place I want so badly for my own soul. Um, I talk about this story a lot, so if you're sick of it, sorry, it's in the Bible. Um, but it's Moses on that mountain in Exodus chapter 33. He has, he has gone through life where at first he was hungry for the full authority and power of, of the Egyptian empire, right? He was raised that way. But then at some point he had this desire, this longing, this conviction of some sort rise up within him uh, uh, to see his people not be oppressed or abused. And and it even got him to a point, like James says, where he killed a man, literally. And and then after that, he was hungry to get away from it all because now he felt guilty. And and so he ran to to the land of Midian just to kind of forget it all, to get away from it all, to start over, to not be known, to hide, to be at peace, hopefully. But then he met this burning bush. And the burning bush began to talk to him about his own deep, Challenges and problems and past and longings. And now he had this longing to set God's people free and lead them to the promised land. That was the the desire that was ignited in him. And he had brought them out of Egypt. He'd brought them across the Red Sea. And now they're camped around this mountain called Sinai. And he's called up into the mountain. And he goes up there. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he's got no food or water that we know of. Yet he is completely sustained by the presence of God. And then in Exodus 33, Moses says something so interesting. He says, God, don't send us to the promised land if you won't go with us. A big shift happened in his heart. No longer was he hungry for the promised land, although that still might have been there. He was now more hungry for the presence of God. He had realized that the presence of God was everything, and whether he would have to go back to Egypt, stay in the wilderness, or go to the promised land, he didn't care as long as he could be with God's presence. That's what he truly longed for. And that's our goal, is to find that, that place where we are longing for God's presence, satisfied God's presence, so it doesn't really matter what place we find ourselves in. And again, if that's challenging, and you're like, oh no, go back to Meister Egghart. <laughs> it's okay to just long for this. It's a good place to start. But ultimately, that's what we, the Bible teaches us, that our primary existence, everything that we have is ultimately so that we can know God. The reason you have a brain inside your head is not so that you can make a lot of money, so that you can know God. The reason that you have emotions and, and a heart and a soul and all of these things is not so that you can feel good all the time, so that you can feel what God feels. The reason that you have a voice It's not so you can tell everybody else what to do or get a lot of followers so that you can communicate with God what's in your heart and sing His praises and tell others about Him. And I'm not saying that we need to become some sort of weird, stoic people that never smile ever again. God made all the trees for our enjoyment. We can enjoy all the things in life. That's great, no problem. But it has to be subsequent. It has to be submitted to. It has to be prioritized underneath. Knowing God. Like the Westminster Catechism says, the chief end of mankind is to know him and enjoy him forever. And ultimately, that's what worship is. It's enjoying God. It's just taking time to enjoy God, however you do that. That's what worship is, finding his presence, enjoying his presence, and letting your longings get back in line with his. So now that we've talked about this need to cultivate a hunger for God, now we've talked about a little bit of our plan going forward, how we're gonna do this practically as a church. I wanna talk about a couple things just for us to think about practically that could maybe help us in the process. And I say maybe on purpose, because God is not a genie. You can't just rub the lamp and get what you want. But there are practices within the scriptures and with church history that help us get into the places where we can see the grace of God revealed, if that makes sense. And so God's the one that gets to decide what kind of hunger is best for you to have. But there are certain things that can get us in the place where we can find ourselves hungry for God. And so there's three things that I want to talk about. The first is we need to limit our intake of junk food. Limit the junk food. You can all hear your mom right now saying, don't eat that, just boil your dinner, right? It's just this common, simple thing that that if we want to be hungry for the good food, we got to make sure we're not nibbling all the time at the junk food. The second thing is we need to eliminate hurry our lives. We'll unpack that a little bit. And then another thing that's important that, that for us to do is spend time with the hungry. And that can go a couple different ways. We'll talk about that. First, limit the junk food. Um, yeah, this is not fun. My kids hate it when I limit their junk food. And uh, And yet this world is so full of junk food and it's just that same picture of all those trees. Adam and Eve could have been totally satisfied by all the other trees and never eaten of the tree of life. And here in our world, God has given us so many good things, so many things to enjoy, each other. The Cardinals, sometimes, maybe, I don't know. Basketball. It's given to us to enjoy. Nacho fries, acai bowls, oh there's so many things that we can enjoy. And all of those things are good and right, it's good to enjoy those things. But we gotta make sure that we don't get so satisfied with all of those things we never have any hunger for the real things. John Piper, um, who just tells it like it is sometimes, he says this in a book called A Hunger for God. The greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It's not the banquet of the wicked that doles our appetite for heaven. It's the endless nibbling at the table of this world. It's not the X-rated video, but the prime time dribble of triviality we drink in every night. The greatest adversary to the love of our love to God is not his enemies, but his gifts. And the most deadly appetites are not for the poison of evil, but for the simple pleasures of earth. For when these replace an appetite for God himself, the idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. Amen? Amen? Amen. It's hitting home. You can admit it. I'm admitting it. In the world that we've created as Americans too, the convenience Of all of these pleasures, our ability and our voracious, consumeristic idolatry is absolutely unfathomable to generations before us. Prime now, not prime three days from now. Remember that? How horrible that was? When you had to wait three days for something? Prime now. I mean, it is unbelievable how consumeristic we are. And yet we're made to enjoy things, absolutely, and that's fine. But we can find ourselves so satisfied or counterfeitly satisfied by the things of this earth that we never really are hungry for God. The way John puts it in 1 John 2, he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now again, this can go a couple different ways, but basically he's connecting, if we love the world, we've lost the love of God. That means we're not receiving the love of God. The love of God is not cultivating a hunger for the love of God. The love of God is not in us cultivating a hunger for the love of others. And the people around us, when they come, hungry for the love of God, we don't have anything to offer them. If we find ourselves endlessly nibbling at the table of the world, and so we got to check those things. My hope and prayer is that at least after we get out of January, we'll at least know some of the idols that we have picked up. Not whether or not you have idols that have snuck in, but you'll, you'll know how to name them, the ones that have. Because it is so easy for us to let things in this world get a grip on us. Like Mario Kart on Switch. Oh, I love it. Trying not to love it so much. <laughs> so that's the first thing, limiting the junk food. The second thing, we got to eliminate hurry. You are too busy. Who am I talking to? All of you. All of you. I'm talking to every single one of you. You're American. Or if you're not American, you're still too busy. <laughs> I don't know. It just, we're just busy. We're way too busy. Um, we got to slow down. Um, The tyranny of the urgent. You guys have probably seen this. We got a little graph to help. But basically, it's real simple. It's the concept that we find ourselves um, filling all of our time um, answering what is urgent and not what is important. And basically, this is the ding on the phone. This is the incessant emails in your inbox. It's, It's all of the things that are constantly clamoring for your attention that are urgent, but but aren't meaningful, aren't important, and yet we find ourselves just constantly there, constantly there, trying to check the emails and never getting to the things that we really need to do, the important things. And our world is full of this. Our world is trying to get our attention and is so good at it, better than maybe ever before, with the access that we've given to it, and that we forget times for what's important. Um, I've had to get to a point in my life where literally I schedule every week my, my times with God, like my, my times to study and get ready for Sunday, like they block them in. So then when people are like, hey, can we meet at this time? I'm like, ah, oh, I have an appointment. <laughs> and I'm not lying, but I am. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I have a meeting scheduled in there that cannot change. It's like, I'm meeting with God. And that, that's fun to do, because then they're like, well, who are you meeting with? If they're starting to feel like I'm being a little fishy, I'm like, I'm meeting with God. Then they're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't gotta get all crazy and then you know then everybody's mad at each other and there's more emails and things like that. But but no, it's, I mean we've got we've got to get to what's important. And if you are not intentional and violent with the urgent, you will never get to the important. I'm I think there should be a lot more amens going on right now. And it, and if, if I'm missing it, that's one thing. But if I'm hitting it, throw out an a, a, amen. Because it's hitting me big time. Um, we gotta slow down. John Ortberg wrote a book called Eternity is Now in Session and he kind of popularized this idea from Dallas Willard who then John Marcoma wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of a Hurry but I love it, this is so important for us. And it's basically this conversation that John Ortberg had with Dallas Willard. He was stressed out, he was wound up, he couldn't get straight. Um, he, he, was, he, was, he was hungry for God but he was feeling no hunger at all and uh, he said, Dallas Willard, what do I do? And Dallas Willard thought for a minute and he said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And he's like, okay, what else, what else? How do I get you know, hungry for God? How do, I, how do I develop? How do I grow in my spiritual formation? And Dallas Willard thought again and said, that's it. Just ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And I walked away. And John Wilberg was like, what? What? But then he started thinking about it. Really, the biggest obstacle to our spiritual formation, the biggest obstacle to our longing for God, is we are too busy. And it's funny, because we as Christians, or we as Americans, we're like, all right, I need to long for God. The pastor guy said, long for God, so I'm gonna long for God, so I'm just gonna add that to the list of all the other things I'm doing, and just trying to jam in a little longing for God in there. It's like, open up the closet. All right, where are we gonna put this longing for God? There's a hole, boom, jam it in there. We can't figure out why we never long for God. We gotta ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Remember what Jesus did. It says, often he withdrew to a quiet place. And Jesus was someone who was hungry for God. And in fact, the night before he went to the cross, he went away to a quiet place to pray and to cultivate a hunger for God. And it was so strong that even there in all of his agony on the cross, what did he cry out? I thirst, and he wasn't thirsty for the vinegar sponge that they offered him, no one's ever thirsty for that. He was thirsty to do the will of God and complete the job that God had given him. He was thirsty to do what his father wanted him to do. And we've got to find ways to stop, to be still. God has promised us he will speak to us in a whisper. And the only way he could get our attention is if he screamed and freaked out. But he promised us he won't do that. He's gonna keep speaking to you in a whisper until you finally quiet yourself enough to hear what he has to say. This is our opportunity to ruthlessly eliminate that hurry and find a hunger for God welling up with inside us. The last thing is to spend time with the hungry. And again, this can go two ways. You can find people who are hungry for God and go spend time with them, tell them what your secret is, and they're gonna say, limit the junk food. R- ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And you're gonna be like, man, that pastor guy's always saying that." No. I don't know what they're gonna say, but you can spend time with them, and that, that's something that could happen. The disciples spend time with Jesus. We just described him. He was hungry for the will of God. He hungered and thirsted for righteousness, and his disciples were totally consumed with that hunger. They did not look at the world at all in the same way. They were not satisfied by fishing anymore. And the other things they did, they were satisfied by God and his presence and doing the will of the one that had sent them into the world. Um, For me, there's this guy, Jim Wright, who I remember right after high school, I had a lot of different ambitions and hungers. and, And he was this guy that took me to Mexico on a missions trip and then you know, signed me up for this school of ministry and I just remember him as someone that was hungry for God. He was kind of goofy and he was, but when it came to the things of the Lord, he was so intense. He was so just resolute and focused and hungry for God and it just compelled me to be hungry for God. And then another way that this can go is being, spending time with people who are hungry for God, but then honestly just spending time with people who are hungry. When you engage in society's pain, when you go and sit with someone who's in pain, what happens is you find yourself wanting to cry out to God more than you ever did before. After spending time with all those, those people, those kids in Belize, and seeing what their pain was and what they were going through, my prayers changed drastically from what I was praying for before. They became a lot less selfish prayers. And when you're with people who are hurting, people who are struggling, people who are hungry, there becomes a desperation for God to move. and It takes you to the Beatitudes, right? Jesus is like, basically, you're in the right place. You're, 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 you're ready for what the Lord has for you if you're, if you're poor in spirit or with the poor in spirit. Or if you're standing with those who are mourning or persecuted or meek or if you're with those who are hungry and thirsting for righteousness because they've experienced so much injustice and unrighteousness in their life, then you'll find yourselves hungering and the promise of the Lord is, if you're hungry for righteousness, he's gonna get you filled. It's a prayer the Lord loves to answer. And so by spending time in those places, we can cultivate that hunger as well. that's basically the message. I, I wanna just kinda go through some things, a little bit of practical stuff now. So if you've got a pen and paper, you can write this down, or if you wanna take some pictures of some of these things and, and pray about these later, that's fine. But basically, so as we go into this 21 days, I mean, you could start now, or you could start next Sunday, either way. But, but I want us to kinda think through under each of these categories, here's some practical ideas of things that maybe you could apply, in addition to your Sunday mornings and your Wednesday food fast and all of those things, Um, Here's some things that you could limit the junk food intake of your life. You could think about your social media, your apps, your games, etc. You could think about your news intake. You could think about TV, Netflix, Prime, Hulu, videos. Um, You could think about your friend group. Maybe there's a group of friends that you're spending time with and it's just junk food all the way. Maybe there's a boyfriend or a girlfriend that's total junk food for you. And now I'm going to get emailed later, be like, "Hey, my girlfriend broke up with me because you told her to." And I'll be like, "Well, let's quit being junk food, man." <laughs> I got, no, I, got no. I'm, I The Lord, I'm am trying to get more mercy this year. That's one of the things the Lord's been trying to do in my heart. So I'll try and be more merciful, but don't be junk food. Um, and music, the music we listen to, really does have a big impact on us. Whether you like, whether well, you listen to the words or not, whatever. Um, eliminating hurry you can dedicate your lunch hour to quiet yourself before the lord you could quit your job i mean it might be the problem you're losing your soul and you know it quit it or at least quit the extra hours you're working at your job thinking you're getting ahead dedicate an hour before bed to be still before the lord or and try and stay awake dedicate all drive time when you're in the car driving maybe that's a time where you just say all right this is all your time now lord Just gonna be silent before you. Find ways to eliminate hurry from your life. Spend time with the hungry. Take someone who seems hungry for the Lord out to lunch. Not on Wednesdays, but some other day. Volunteer with a ministry agency. We can get you connected. There's tons of great places. If you're having trouble connecting with someone who's in one of those places, we can find someone. Spend some time with someone you know is hurting. Serve at a soup kitchen. Become friends with someone who is homeless. Get involved with foster care. Those foster kids are so hungry for righteousness because it's not been their experience in a lot of those cases. And as you join your hearts with theirs, you find yourself hungering for righteousness on their behalf, let alone your behalf. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you love us enough um, to forgive us but you love us enough also to to, to grow us, to move us forward, to shape us, to form us. And we just really ask that you would, Lord. I pray that that this would become one of the hungriest churches in all the world. Hungry for you, Lord. And it would show up in our prayer lives, it would show up in our evangelistic endeavors, it would show up in, in the way that we treat our spouses and families, it would show up in our worship times, it would show up in our church times, it would show up in our life groups, it would show up everywhere, Lord. But we know that it's, it's you that can cultivate this hunger. And we pray that you would. In Jesus' name, amen.